Welcome to season three of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Leeds, founder and chief owl at Outstanding Women Leaders, Owl Professional Coaching, an organization dedicated to empowering women to rewrite their story and reconnect to fulfillment and joy. Owl is on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way leaders think and inspire you to live in relationship to yourself differently than you do today. Rule number one, nobody gets to be wrong. Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. (laughs) Rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. And my favorite rule number four, everything is included. If your child walks in and your phone rings, it's in the podcast. We do not edit here. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You will be heard. There is space for you. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. And if you haven't, you don't want to miss them. But enough about me. Today, I'm excited to welcome outstanding women leader, Kim Curtis. Kim is a nationally recognized wealth management advisor, author, and speaker here today to talk about retirement, how to make our money work to create the life we want to live. For a lot of women, thinking about life after retirement can feel overwhelming. Others fear it, and some don't even think about it until they are in it. Kim's mission is to get women comfortable with their money situation so they can focus on creating their lives and living on purpose. As president and CEO of Wealth Legacy Institute and best-selling author of Money Secrets, Key to Smart Investing, Kim's groundbreaking work in developing a highly personal client-centric planning model was recognized in the Journal of Practical Estate Planning, winning the Editor's Choice Award. This model is the cornerstone of her firm's holistic and highly successful approach to integrated wealth management, the planning for life experience. Today's discussion, we're going to explore how your story impacts your relationship with money, the right mindset, and the money formula. Kim is here to remind us that it's never too late to start taking control, systems, and discipline of your financial <laughs> life so that money can become a tool to support your dreams and purpose in the next chapter. Kim, welcome. I'm so excited. I saw the word discipline and my neurodiverse brain was like, oh, this is going to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Katie. It's great to be here. But so needed. Money is... Um, something that for women for a long time, we could even get our own credit cards or get a mortgage. Mm -hmm. So of course it's something that feels like not the final frontier for us, but something that we haven't fully explored. So I'd love to know a little bit about your origin story. How does a woman like you become so accomplished, such a great author and speaker on money? Whoo, man. Hey, if I can do it, anyone can do it. When you hear my crazy story, um, you know, I actually, um, when I was 14, my parents got divorced and I'm the middle of three kids and my mom had no employable skills. So as a result, um, I had government assisted lunches and every day I got this little red ticket that I had to hand to that cashier and I would look behind me, see where if any friends were in line and I would hide that ticket under my lunch plate as I walked through with the tray and then, and then look and give that to the cashier. So Every day for those five days, week after week, the shame around that of unworthiness was significant. And that carried me uh, into my early years. So what happened is my mom had one thing that was very important to her three daughters. And that was 
make sure you get your education because no one can take it away from you. So I did. I, I got my education. I went to law school. And then immediately, because I had no money skills and had huge, huge shame and unworthiness around it, defaulted on my school loans. <laughs> so, so, and, you know, so here I am now, the CEO of a multi-million dollar wealth management firm. And how could you imagine that that was my beginning? Mm. I know. So what happened? There was something that I, I was really fortunate. So what changed that? I had an anonymous person put money on my school loan debt. It was only $1,000, but that was significant mm -hmm. because the value went down, not up. And that gift caused me to pause enough. Like, wow, who would, who would do that? Like, what love do they have to, that believes in me? that maybe I need to start thinking about who I am and how I'm showing up. And it caused me to have more belief in myself, the start of a belief in myself. And so that everyone's getting a thousand dollars today so that we can <laughs> jumpstart the belief in yourself. I'm kidding. But I, I love that <laughs> yeah. in every hero's journey and every story, there's that pivotal moment. Um, and it's, if you're a teacher, like I am a former teacher or a, I was a nonprofit. So a philanthropist, that one moment where someone invests in you can just change uh, your entire mindset and shift. So I just want to hold space for that. We are not Oprah. We are not giving out a thousand dollars today. <laughs> but you know, when you think of your uh, school experience, that's really true. I used to have a math teacher. I used to sit in the back of the class and I was always disrupting the classroom. And he moved me right to his desk in the front of the room. But then he moved my friend right next to me, which was an, which was an act of love as well. And that gift that he gave me at that time was enough for me to pay attention and do well in math. So it doesn't take much for educators to give just a little something because we're all dealing with self-worth issues, whether it's money or you know, who you are, how you show up. And so it doesn't take much, but it really does start with an act or a gift of belief in them. Mm. And it's usually an expression of love. I, I, mm. So someone gives you a puts a thousand dollars on your mm. student loan and you have this shift. How do you go from default on loans to a multi-million dollar CEO? <laughs> Yeah, slow, but purposeful. And I think we should talk about that. What do you think? You know, kind of really yeah. some of the basic strategies that are so important when we feel like money is up here and it's incredibly frenetic and how to bring it down here is your foundation so that you're supported. And then everything you do is open and free because you're no longer thinking about money anymore. So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there are really seven solid strategies around that. And this is kind of my journey because again, with the school loan debt and all of a sudden I had to be honest with myself, what, you know, how much debt do I really have? And I wrote, I looked at that invoice, that bill, and I actually wrote it down. And for those who have credit card debt, you know, you, you write it down, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet or whatever, but all the credit cards What's the interest rate? What's the balance? What's your payment? And then focus on the highest interest paying card first and work your way through that cascading effect. And then you pay that off and then you add that money to the next one and the next one. Sometimes it's not the highest interest rate card, 
but it's the one that's going to give you the most lift because maybe the balance is not as high, but once you pay it off, you feel better and it opens up space. So I think um, managing and understanding the credit card, that's really your start is where are you? However, the second is you really have to develop that spending plan. And that spending, I mean, a lot of people say budget. I like to say spending plan because the budget is really restrictive. That like Katie, discipline, ah, you know, no, but a spending plan is, is It feels open. so nice. Yes, I am <laughs> going to spend. Let's talk about what I'm spending versus budget, which feels like, all right, I'm not going to be able to spend anything. Yeah, I love the reframe. And as a coach, we know that words have impact. So step two, get a spending plan. Much yeah, better. So Dave Ramsey and his budget planning, and <laughs> we're going to get rid of that. We are creating a spending plan. Well, and there's several rules around that. Um, but one that's very popular is the 50-30-20 rule. And that's where 50% you spend on your needs, your fixed expenses, all the things that you have to, the rent, the mortgage, the vehicle loan, whatever. 30% are um, your wishes. So that's your entertainment, your travel, things like that. Um, and it could be part of food, depending, like eating out. And then the 20% is your savings. At a, at a bare minimum, 20% should be savings. And you almost start with that as part of that 50 almost, and then you work your way back. So you pay yourself first. That's where that expression comes My mom from. always said that you pay yourself first. Because otherwise, you'll, there's never enough left for you in anything in life. So anyway, that, 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 that's a big one is a spending plan. And then dream, you know, kind of what would it look like? There's a reason people buy lottery tickets. It gives them for that brief moment, the ability to dream. Now, I don't buy lottery tickets. I would say most people shouldn't, but there's a reason we do it. And so if you can dream kind of, and, but do short term, you know, do in the next one year, how will I be with my debt? How much will I have paid off? And every time you pay that off, like for me, I had actually an index card that I wrote, do, 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 here's what I owe. And I would see the date that I paid it off and I'd see the transfer of the money to that, to my vehicle loan. And then I'd see that paid off. And then I'd see this other money going to this other goal. And it, because I wrote it on this index card and it was in front of me all the time, I was very intentional about that. And I was motivated. Each time I saw a credit card balance paid off, I was pumped up. And with more momentum, I think you get more excited. Absolutely. And then I would say, yeah. And are we on number three? So number three, so dream. Yeah, dream, which is your financial goals. So do the one year, do the three year, do the five year. And then do 10 if you're motivated enough. I think 10 is really great. Um, but start small. Like how do you eat an elephant, right? You know, that one bite. One at bite time. at a time. <laughs> so so establish, dream by establishing financial goals. And then I would say, uh, educate yourself about money. Learn the language. And we tend to think that the language is a, a masculine sort of like really left brain, data-driven, tight, somewhat repressive for some people. But if you learn the language from your perspective and from your values, it's so much easier to understand because it's from your heart. So, you know, money, money needs you. We spend all our time running around, you know, oh, I need this, I need this, I, especially as business owners, you know, I need more money. Well, no, money needs you. And what I mean by that is 
money is it's it's it has no meaning to it unless the meaning you give it which is the value piece but it's also your ideas and your creativity and your dreams and your plans and if you could attach that to money then money will find you so that's really important your dreams creativity ideas that help change or influence the world and help others Money will find you with that right intention of the energy you put on money. And you will open up the space for, to allow it to unfold because you're not focusing on the money, you're focusing on the dreams, the creativity, the plan, your ideas that make a difference for others. Let's talk a little bit about that switch. Um, from a teaching perspective, I always think about deficit thinking. <laughs> so if I, if I go in and think that my students are at somehow at a loss, I have deficit thinking and I'm not able to think about them being beyond grade level. I'm barely thinking about them being at grade level. What does it mean to have, what's the opposite of deficit? My brain has gone blank. Abundance. 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 Thank you. Clearly I have a deficit today. What's the <laughs> abundance thinking? How do you shift that? And and mean it and really feel it in your bones. There are two pieces to that. I, I'll use an analogy on kind of that money needs you. And then I'll bring it back to answering that question specifically as it relates to what I did. Um, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, in that area, right near Niagara Falls. And the Niagara Falls is this vast, beautiful falls. And that flow of water has no power other than the energy plants that are next to it. That it's the largest power plants for the state of New York. So without the plants that turn it into something, it's just flow, energy. So think about that with your money in that last expression that I said. So how do you change prosperity and abundance from deficit? And I would say for me specifically, it really came back to unpacking my money story. Um, and I already told you, you know, I came from red ticket. So what was my first money memory? What was the shame? What was the story that I was telling myself that I wasn't worthy, that I was not enough, that I'll never have money. Money always is for someone else. And then I realized that's not my story. Mm. I want this new story. It was a, it was a decade later that I ended up going into finance. So trust me, I was a shit show in my twenties with money. So, so, you know, recognize that it's a journey and it takes time. But when you think of, so in, in my work, we call it humanographics, humanity on a graph. And basically, and it, it actually came from the medical profession, but you plot family structure, you know, plot it down, uh, where, and start with yourself, go up to your parents, go up to your grandparents, go up to your great grandparents if you can. And if you have children, go down. And then start the story of who was the first educated? Where did they come from? What were, the what were their occupations? What were their money jobs? And you start to see, oh my gosh, I'm showing up in scarcity because my great-grandfather was a tightwad. It had nothing to do with me. It's this generational map that is on me that I'm going to change. And I think to add objectivity around that, makes it a little easier in the unpacking because sometimes it's hard to believe our real truth. Mm. 
You know, as you sit here and think about the unpacking, my grandfather also was a tightwad. Um, <laughs> and my dad, whenever he comes to New York now, he's like, money's no object. I'm like, when I was a kid, money was an object. <laughs> right. I'm like, where was this dad at? And you know, dad's <laughs> money story now is not tied to his wife because my mom's passed away. Mm-hmm. It's not tied to his grandmother or his mother and father. His, his My grandmother just passed away last year. And so in addition to having money for him and my mom to retire, and now it's just him and then grandma passes away and leaves some money, all of a sudden my dad's money mindset has shifted and he's like, well, we, money's no object. What do you need? He's really big into numerology. So he's also like, Katie, you're an eight. You're going to be fine with money. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But so for those that. of us who have people that are living, people don't have to die for you to rewrite your money right. story, but there That's is right. something to that about what were those stories that weren't yours? Uh, you talk about the lunch ticket and I always talk about my um, Tweety Bird sweatshirt. It was school picture day and mom didn't take me shopping, dad did. And I really wanted this Tweety Bird sweatshirt, which was 50 bucks. Mom would not have bought that for me. Dad put it on plastic. And he talked about how expensive that was. And I that memory, it's not my first money memory, but that one really stuck with me about things are expensive, go on plastic. Mm. Mm. That's a great story, Katie, because then the story after that is, wow, you have a lot of debt from the plastic that may, that meets your needs at that time. And so, gosh, I love that story. That's a really perfect, beautiful story. How do we rewrite that? How do we rewire this mindset? We're on step four. We're educating ourselves. We're learning this language. What's next? Yeah. Well, you got to start. Get away from mindset, but start something automatic, systematic savings. So if you have access to a 403B as an educator or a retirement plan, start small. I would love it at a minimum to start if there's a match up to that match. And then every pay increase, don't increase your lifestyle, but increase the amount going into that qualified plan. When it's automatic, and even without that, it could be $25 in an online, um, like betterment.com or um, personal capital. There's now digital platforms that allow you to save quite easily with a small dollar amount. And the longer the term, so so let me so automatic one makes it easy because then you're never thinking about it anymore. And then once you get to the maximum of what that retirement dollar amount is, then you're then it's never a thought again. You've already done the maximum in your retirement plan, so you never think about it. It just keeps growing, you know, over time. And when the markets go down, like now, don't change it because you're able to buy more shares cheaply. It's like on sale shopping. But when it comes to money, we tend to do the opposite. Don't change the allocation. You need equities, stocks to get ahead of inflation. So also as women, we tend to be more conservative. Don't at a minimum, 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 at least have 60% of your portfolio in equities. Um, to, and, and even if you're near retirement, you still want a higher amount. Now everyone's situation is different, but you need to start uh, versus not safe because long-term over time, you'd like to see that growth. So the reason I say just start and make it automatic is because then you begin to get motivated. So I started, you know, and my first job, when I left after seven years, I had this little check 
And at the time it was a big check. It was $5,000. It was a retirement plan that they did for me. And I didn't spend it. I was so, you know, I was still in my twenties. I was so glad I didn't spend it. I was late twenties. And I actually rolled that over and I'll never forget when that hit 25,000. I remember saying to my mom, 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 guess what? My account is $25,000. And you know what? She was so happy for me because at that time I knew that I had more than her. Mm-hmm. That momentum, 25, 50, 100, 250, you become this magnet of energy that allows you to be motivated and disciplined because you see the benefit of starting. Mm, I really appreciate the focus on the starting, like forget the mindset. We'll come back to that, but let's take action and action is like a snowball effect and it really builds and your mind kind of goes where the action goes, right? <laughs> as, a, as a former so CrossFit, as a former gym owner, right? If, we, if we're on a balance board, I love the endo board and I want to spin around, like everything has to go in that same direction. And my brain will come along with it. <laughs> I think that's just a really beautiful way to express it because ideally what you want to do is you think, remember I said, think one year, two, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, you want to get your emergency fund in place. And that's not investing, that's in savings. That's your saving account or an online savings platform that is away from you. That's not part of your cash flow. So, and rule of thumb, three to six months of expenses. As a business owner, you would ideally love to have a year of your expenses. Again, once it's done, it's done. You no longer think about it again. It's off the table. Again, able to dream and think big because money is down here as a foundation. So, so once your emergency fund is in place, you work your way up. So the longer the time frame, what's the five-year goal? Uh, I want to buy a house or, you know, I need a new vehicle or, and then the longer-term retirement. So nail the re- longer-term retirement with the incentive of matching and other things out of the gate, even though it seems so far away, make sure you just start that. Simultaneously start your savings for your emergency fund. Um, and then work your way up. So the, you could be riskier, the longer the goal. So I was talking about retirement assets when I talked about equities. So keep that in mind. You don't want to invest in Bitcoin or other things for short-term need of money mm. because you, money is this, it does this. Mm. But long-term over time, it does this up. Yeah. So COVID hit. And for those of us that were lucky enough to, myself included, have um, the, the six months of savings, but also lose their, their main source of income as a result of COVID, life is great. I was able to sustain, but what happened now you're back in the hole. Yeah. Now you're back at zero. Like, um, Where's the mindset to be to take that first step forward? Because it can feel really daunting. And sometimes not like, I don't even want to look at my account today. Mm. So how you do money is how you do life. If you put your head in the sand on money, the likelihood is you're putting the head in the sand in other areas of your life. So in response to that is when you put your head up and go, wow, I'm losing my cash reserves and I don't have money coming in. What side gig can I do to make more money? What hustle can I do to, to, or bring in another roommate 
You know, there's so many things if we thought outside the box and we're hungry enough. But instead, what do we say? Woe is me. This sucks. I feel depressed. I can't leave the house. Think of how many businesses grew because they understood Zoom and actually no longer had to do yoga in person. And now they have this huge yoga practice around the country instead of just their community. So you mentioned side hustle and former teacher here. We're like, I, nothing makes me sadder than going to a bar and having my waitress or bartender also have to be a teacher on a Tuesday night when I know that, that she has worked all day. She probably has some papers to grade at home. I'm saying she, because this is just the reality of the environment And what I see in that teacher is someone who is that creative person that you talked about that has so much capital. What, how do you expand on side? How do you get started in a side hustle? That's not, you know, I got a roommate, but it was a boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) So so no additional money, perhaps. (laughs) So my rent went down a little bit. um, And I had that extra bedroom. I could have rented out to somebody when that, when that happened for me. So I love that. That's like, those are options. But then how do you take like your natural creative self and say, you know, side hustles, I hate the word hustle because it is a side, it is a work. It is a hustle. Like what about the side income that doesn't necessarily require so much hustling to get, to get started? I could take that answer in so many different directions, but I'm going to start with an equation. Mm -hmm. So And this was my mentor, Jack Canfield, uh, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. And it's E plus R equals O. E plus R equals O. Events happen in our life that we don't have any control over. But we do have control over our response. That's R, which determines our outcomes. So another way to say that that's more controversial is that we're 100% responsible for the outcomes in our life. What are the choices that we're gonna make at that R to make it happen in the way that we want our life to be? So that sounds really easy. Oh, great, Kim, I love your math equation, which I love math. That's my left brain kicking into gear. The key around that, particularly for women, is self-worth. And that gets back to mindset. I I don't mean to keep you doing that, but that's really, really true. And why is it that we don't give ourselves enough worthiness to do what we need to do to make things happen. And, that, and, I'll, and I'll tell you another story of a woman that came to me, but she told me her 10-year journey is 10 years ago, she wanted to have a million dollars and step off, you know, retire. And she did, she invested, she did some things. And all of a sudden she realized like three or four or five years into it that I am nowhere close to being on track for my goal. Like we all have this big vision in our 20s And all of a sudden we're in our thirties and it's like, well, that's not happening in the way that I envisioned. And what she did is she thought, well, you know what? Maybe maybe I need to um, do something that I enjoy like hobbies and spend more time on my hobbies Mm -hmm. and relax so that I could focus on uh, activities that I loved and whatever. So she did, she started to do a few things uh, of reading and all of a sudden she wasn't relaxed. And what she realized is that she kept being interrupted by her family and she always gave them energy. She let them interrupt her. You see where I'm going with this story? Mm -hmm. 
And what happened is what she realized is I'm not getting anywhere ahead. And what I, she, this is her story, not mine, that she realized that she needed to focus more on self-respect. As a divorced woman, I know all about focusing on self-respect. Yeah. Mm. And not let people interrupt her when she needed that time for herself. So she did spend that quiet time alone and she started writing and she uh, wrote more and more and she ended up having a bestseller book and she ended up living the life of her dreams because she started eventually, not started, it took a while um, to have the self-respect to focus on what was important to her back to how we started in terms of creativity and ideas and dreams and that money needs you. And when you allow yourself to be creative and you give yourself the self-respect to focus on you first before your family or children or spouse, then I think that your creativity expands, your imagination expands, and you have a fulfilling, you're more likely to have that fulfilling, great life. Now, I also know that people in their 30s and 40s, if someone asks them, what do they really want? All they want is alone time. I want a babysitter for two hours. I want to take a bath without interruption. So that sounds really easy, but until you focus on yourself first, you will never have an outcome that you, that you want. And then you'll wonder what, what happened. Mm-hmm. Until you focus on yourself first, you will never have an outcome that you want. Just think women need to let that sink in. Particularly teachers who we are so focused moms. We're so focused on service. And when I started equating self-respect to boundaries of my time, uh, when I started creating self-respect to energy, (laughs) there was a huge shift for me and we go right back to action. Uh, so if you're listening, I'd love to encourage you to, to take a really hard look at what's one action that you could commit to today that puts you closer to self honoring who you are in your own self-respect. Remember mm-hmm. how you do money is how you do life. Mm-hmm. It always starts with self-respect. That's my origin story. When I started to believe in myself, because what are the two things that we always want time and money, time and money, time and money. Well, you talked about boundaries around time. You have to have that so that you could have money. It, again, you have to start first with your own surroundings to then allow the flow of money to come through, just like Niagara Falls with the power plants. As we get close to wrapping up, I want to talk about some of your amazing resources that you have for people listening. You've written two books. You've got some amazing workbooks. Let's chat a little bit about those. Yes. So the first book, Money Secrets, Keys to Smart Investing, is this beautiful book that pulls back the curtain on the financial services industry to reveal why smart people make bad investment mistakes. It's about 110 pages of real meat. So it's a really easy, easy read. And at the end of each chapter, it gives uh, questions to ask yourself or uh, questions to ask if you're looking for outside advice, how to uh, talk to a financial advisor so that you feel like you have armor and in control. The second book is Retirement Secrets, uh, Keys to Retiring Happy, Healthy, and Free. And And it has a little money in it, but it's really a lifestyle book. You save all your life and then you step off whoa, what's next? So that book addresses the what's next in a really beautiful way on the other wealth creations, which is health, uh, community, all those other things, and talks about that. 
So the free resource, uh, uh, actually, um, so here are the two books. I happen to have them here, thankfully. Uh, this book, Retirement Secrets, has a 92 plus page workbook that I want to give away for free. Amazing. Yay. And it's a companion to this, but you don't need this to do the workbook. And that is, uh, people can get that at financialliteracypress.com financialliteracypress.com. And that's the 92 plus page workbook. Um, and you know, it's like this right here, happiness doesn't retire. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. So, um, and then lastly, you and I in the green room had a conversation, you know, about your mom. I'm so sorry to hear I lost my mom too, uh, this year. And as a result of that, I realized in the business of money that I made mistakes in that. And so my older sister and I put together an aging parent checklist. And of course it has money things in there, which I felt like I got the money things down, but I missed so many other interpersonal things that were very important that are in this aging parent checklist guide. Um, and you can get that at agingparentchecklist.com. And one of the cool things you mentioned with that was a playlist of songs that your parent loves. And one of the ways I love to keep my mom alive, I always wear a piece of her jewelry. So I've got her earrings on today. So she's with me only child. I got all her things. And I, um, there's, you know, music I know for my dad. Um, he is always listening to Etta James. Uh, <laughs> and that is, just, it's a way that he keeps her alive for him. And, I love this idea of creating a, a playlist for my dad too. And I'm excited to check out the aging parent checklist for my dad, who I've told has to be around for at least 20 years. Mm-hmm. I told him that, um, <laughs> no, we've had a lot of loss in my family in the last mm-hmm. three years. So no one else is allowed to go. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending your time sharing all your secrets for us. Um, I have three questions that I always ask at the end. Can't wait to hear your answers. Kim, what is your superpower? Who my smile. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I guess from a quantitative aspect, I, I, I have the ability to quickly um, see relationships between patterns, Hmm. but I think I go further with my smile than I, (laughs) my, my ability to, go in quickly and understand patterns. <laughs> I love that smile. I have that same ability. We, we should connect. Um, <laughs> just, it wasn't with numbers initially, but that's a whole nother, um, you know, someone else's story that they gave me that mm. we've gotten rid of turn. I've run multiple businesses. Now I can do numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your purpose in life? You know, it's funny years ago, Again, a data girl, I call it P3, a little three, or P cube. And it's uh, people, passion, and possibilities. Mm. People, passion, and possibilities. Yeah. I mean, igniting people's vision into their higher possibilities around money and life is everything that I live. That's so amazing. Kim, what is next for you in your (laughs) adventures? (laughs) Um, so have you heard, have you been to that Van Gogh immersion uh, that's I have been not, going around the country? I have not been in it. I've walked by it. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> sure, but not really. So there's been a lot of immersive experiences going on besides Van Gogh. And when I went to it, I was with my daughter. I have a daughter and son, 24 and 22. And I'm looking around at this audience and they're all ages, all different types of people. And I'm thinking, this is art. Imagine if we did this with prosperity and abundance. 
I want to create a prosperity and abundance immersion experience. And when can we see that? <laughs> I'm just if like, anyone has skill set in that area, please contact <laughs> me. Please contact me. Wow, as a as a former educator and creating immersive experiences is kind of my thing. Maybe we'll be in contact. All Where right. can we find you to follow you to see your journey of what's next and also what you've already done? Sure. Uh, wealthlegacyinstitute.com is my firm, uh, Wealth Legacy Institute. Uh, you can follow me. The Happiness Doesn't Retire is on Instagram. It's where people take pictures doing the things that give them most joy. I love going to the Instagram page because I love seeing what other people's joy looks like. Mm. Uh, happinessdoesn'tretire.com and, and also Instagram. And then uh, you can follow Kim Curtis, YouTube, LinkedIn, all the other things. Fantastic. Uh, Denver, and- Colorado. And for people that want to work with you, like, what is it, what, uh, give us a little light on, yes, you have this institute, but what, how do people work with you? And what is that experience like? Yeah. So for our firm, it's actually a a boutique, I kind of say a small giant, um, because we're small and boutique. um, And generally the clients that work with us are nearing retirement. Uh, They've saved significantly so that as they transition to retirement, we can take them through so that they feel like they have peace and joy. You know, I think when you think of a pyramid, you got to work through this pyramid of investments, financial plan, lifestyle, and then impact. And so people that are coming with us really want to get to lifestyle and impact. Because why otherwise, if you're not focusing on the things that really matter to you, if you're not creating impact, why are we here? And for teachers that are tuning in today who create impact in their students every day, I just think about the impact that they could have if they were able to step into this ownership of money and being able to really impact life in that way as well. Someone made a huge impact on you with a $1,000 payment to your student loan. Uh, Such an incredible story and journey. I always like to give our guests the last word, so I will leave it to you. Whatever you'd like to leave our audience with, talk as long as you'd like. I I think that there's no amount of money that can give you an extraordinary life. 